Hello, and welcome to the Jeff Culture Podcast with me, Mary Jane. I'm a registered nurse and the owner of MJD Legal Nurse Consulting. In the medical community, Just Culture refers to this idea that when errors occur, they should be examined closely and without judgment. It, to be honest, most errors, especially the larger ones, do not happen in a vacuum. So if we truly take a deep look at all the events leading up to an error and the factors at play, we can usually spot the weak link in the processes and hopefully prevent future errors from occurring. That's exactly what we'll be doing here in this podcast. Over the course of my career, I've reviewed hundreds of medical-related cases as a resource for attorneys across the country. I aim to use that experience, as well as my experience as a practicing registered nurse, to analyze medical-related cases, explore what went wrong, and perhaps learn what we can do in the future to save lives. Hello and welcome to the Just Culture Podcast with me, Mary Jane Duquette. So today I want to talk about a an experience that I had a, quite a while back um, and I think we can kind of learn a lot about how leadership really matters and actually really is at like the heart of a lot of things that are going on, not just in healthcare, but in kind of the world in general. Um, when you think of like employer employee and hiring process and what it's, you know, what the experience is to work with someone and, and how things matter. And maybe they just matter now because the way the world is and people have different priorities. And that's something that we just need to learn and to figure out. So, uh, without further ado, I am going to go ahead and kind of break down some red flags from probably the worst job interview I've ever had in my life and um, kind of give you my honest feedback on what these red flags mean and and how I look at them as, um, you know, a potential person who might work at this facility. So, one thing that I do is if there is a need in my community, um, I, I will help. A lot of times I'll get reached out to from agencies. Maybe there's a kiddo in the neighborhood that needs a temporary nurse to take them to school because they can't go to school. And, you know, if I have the time for it, I jump in and I'll do it. I have done it before. I've taken um, some kids in the community to school and then there's one-on-one nurse and took care of them until the agency sorted out staffing because I really believe that, you know, these kiddos deserve to go to school and it doesn't just, you know, they don't need to be held back in any way because of staffing issues. So I will always jump in. And so when I get text messages or emails with a need, I will, um, you know, if I have the time and the space in my schedule, I I'll hear them out and I'll see what um, what their needs are and if I can help and if I can't help, how can I help? How can we work together to figure this out? So this one happened quite a while back, but I had gotten an email that there was a facility in the community that needed a nurse urgently and they were um, they couldn't open their doors without more nursing staff they were going to have to close this particular facility wasn't a hospital or a doctor's office it was um, like a treatment facility and so they had to have a nurse on on staff for it to open they can't be open without a nurse they can't operate without um they can't operate at all without a nurse. And so they were at risk of shutting the doors. And I agreed to chat with them and figure out how I could help. Um, maybe it's just offering advice sometimes, other times offering, you know, maybe my help or if I can't help someone that I might know and in my network that can help. So I set up a meeting and I didn't actually speak with the manager of the facility. So it turned into a full on job interview, but um, here's kind of how it went down and um, and kind of what happened. So 
you know, red flags um, for the facility. And I will ask all of these questions if I'm there and you can, right? Because if you're essentially in some sort of interview, you want to help them and they need your help. And it's up to both of you to kind of interview each other and chat and see, does, you know, the employer is, does this person have the experience? Is this the right type of person to work with me? Is this person going to be right for my culture at my facility? And also, it's a moment for the potential new employee to ask the questions about what's important for them. So, you know, things like pay, benefits, hours, what are you, what do you do in the job? Um, what's it like working there? Uh, lots of different questions. And I often ask a lot of them and um, some of the answers I got here um, and some of the information that was volunteered to me was very shocking. And I want to talk about all of that. So the first red flag was the benefits. This position had no benefits. I was offered, um, if I worked there, no benefits at all. No paid time off, no sick pay, and no no benefits at all. No health insurance, um, dental insurance, nothing. And this was a 30-hour-per-week on this on paper position as you'll see later mandatory overtime it was definitely a 40 or more hour a week position but um for essentially a full-time position to have no benefits at all um that was a, a hard no for me of course i don't really need benefits but pay time off and sick pay i mean if this was going to be my full-time gig and they were expecting full-time hours um, I would really appreciate some paid time off or, or the ability to call in sick if I was sick, right? Um, we learned in COVID that calling out sick is so important, especially in the time of COVID, we had to call out. So we all had to learn that. I feel like in nursing, we would never call out sick. We would be, you know, with a with an oxygen mask on being like, yeah, I'm coming. I'm going to take care of these people. These people need me. And we would come to work sick. And COVID forced us to learn if you're really sick, and especially if you have COVID, you need to stay home so you don't spread it. So not to have any benefits, nothing at all for a 30 plus hour a week position, that was something um, that was a huge red flag for me. And I think in some areas of the United States, that's even illegal. I think you have to have benefit. You have to offer some sort of benefits. Um, I'm not entirely sure of that. Uh, another red flag were breaks. So we were touring the facility and we got to the break room and I noticed it was really clean and really empty. And I was like, wow, this is different because in the hospital, it's often a mess and smelly in the break room because nobody has time to clean out the fridge and you bring your lunch and you actually can't eat your lunch and it sits in the fridge and you forget about it, et cetera, et cetera. But this was sterile this break room. And so I was like, wow, your break room is so clean. You guys must spend so much time cleaning it. And the manager said, actually, nobody takes breaks. And I said, what do you mean? And this manager said that on a, that you are allowed to have a 30 minute break, which is essentially you are, um, you're legally obligated to have that 30 minute break. And then uh, you're, you're also allowed to have two 15 minute breaks. But the manager said that you are only to be taking those breaks if you have time and if the schedule for the day allows it. And oftentimes her employees do not have the time to take any break at all, even the 30 minute breaks. And that's why uh, the break room was so clean. So that was a huge red flag, right? Because one, legally, you're supposed to have the 30 minute break. And, um, I've worked in plenty of positions where I was told you have a 30 minute break. I was actually docked the pay for the 30 minute break and I was never given the 30 minute break. That's not something that I'm willing to do. I've also suffered burnout and worked myself to getting very sick as um, if you've followed me for any amount of time you've known and I take my health very seriously and to not be able to, you know, to be expected to work almost 12 hours without any kind of nourishment um, at all, like food at all. Um, and, and never mind, like just the, you know, the 30 minutes off and just to kind of center yourself and regroup mentally, physically, spiritually, whatever you need 
uh, for those 30 minutes, it is, um, it's not something that I would do. That might not be important for some people. Some people might, I think it would depend if they were docking the pay. If they are docking my pay, I will be taking a break. If I, 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 I'm not giving free labor. Um, I did early in my career cause I didn't know any better, but, uh, yeah, free labor is not something that I'm willing to do. So I think you could dig a little bit more into that information there. If, if skipping lunches and skipping meals is something that doesn't really bother you that much, um, you could definitely, uh, live without that. However, that was a red flag for me. Another huge red flag was boundaries. Um, I don't know. I don't, at the risk of sounding like I'm high maintenance or bougie at all, but I know this is the employer, um, is looking for somebody who can meet their needs and that's totally fine. So when I'm on the phone and I say, this is what I'm willing, this is what I have. My capacity to help you is to work this many hours, this many days. And, you know, I will give you my all in those hours in those days but I can't give you any more. I don't have the space or the bandwidth for it. And they agreed. And then we went to the interview and the manager um, just said that they thought about my needs and my boundaries and what I had, but they said, um, that just doesn't work for me. I need more. Um, you will not be working three, eight hour days. You'll be working you'll be working full time and that's that's it. And so then I kindly said, okay, well, I'm not that's not some, that's not something that I'm able to do and, and to do for you right now. And the manager just continued to go on with the interview and, um, would agree with me and say, Oh, okay. So you can't do this. Okay. Well, you know, let's, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Or, um, you know, they really just skirted around the subject that I wasn't willing to work full time for them. Um, mostly because I have, I have another job. Um, and this was something I was doing on a short term basis to help them. But, um, they just weren't willing to listen and they frankly just didn't even care that I had boundaries. They would tell me what I wanted to hear in the moment. And then later in, as we were talking, they would cycle back and say, yeah, but I'm just, this just isn't going to work for me this three days a week. Uh, I need more, um, or whatever my boundary was at the moment. I, it was so long ago. I don't really remember, but I do remember them not accepting my boundary and just really playing games with that. And that's something that I think, I think both sides, potential employer and empo potential employee really could work a little bit harder um, to, to meet, to come to common ground around this because there is a fine line and a fine boundary between a hospital who needs to staff and they need to count on their staff and they need to say, you know, this is what I need. I need full time. I need you to work three twelves. This is it. This is what I have. This is, this is my need. And if that doesn't work for the potential employee employee, then that that's just a conversation. You're not a match and you can go on that hospital can find someone who will work full time and that employee will find someone who can go ahead and, and meet their, their requirements of, of just part-time work. And that is totally fine. But to try to force people to work what they, you know, and, and push their boundary and just not respect their needs at all on either side. Um, that's, that's something that, uh, need, needs to be worked on and needs to be thought about. I mean, I had said three days a week. I had said you can have pick on which days of the week most of the time. And um, it, it, it was just a very weird part of the, the conversation. And I just wanted to bring that up. Um, respecting everybody's boundaries on both sides is super, super important. Uh, and kind of on along this line um, is this idea of like mandatory overtime. So the schedule was supposed to be three 10 hour shifts. So that's 30 hours a week. And, um, that's what we had agreed upon. And, uh, well, we didn't agree upon it. Um, that's what they were telling me that that's what I would be working if I worked there. And they also said that 
because there has to be a nurse in the building for their doors to be open, the nurse has to be in the building 30 minutes before the start of the shift, uh, before opening. And the hours um, that are scheduled for you are, you know, say nine to five. And so you would have to be there at 830 in the morning to open, which is reasonable, which is fine. But then they said, nobody goes home at five. You always go home after the last patient leaves, which then turns into it could be one, two or three hours later in the evening because the people are going in and getting treatment. So if somebody and they're able to walk in up to one minute before close, so they could come in at 459 for a three hour treatment and the nurse has to stay for that. My issue with this and my issue that I had uh, was one, I had boundaries and uh, a certain number of hours I was willing to give and this violated those boundaries, but also if you know that somebody is going to be working three hours past, um, instead of mandating their overtime, just schedule them later, right? Split the shift and have one person work early and one person work late and be the closer. The other issue with this was that full time was a 32 hour work week. And um, it's because you're working three hours overtime every single time you come to work. So I don't know. I'm just not here for mandatory overtime. I'm always here to doing my job. And if I'm needed, I will stay. But to be required to stay three hours past close every single day of the week um, and have it be forced. And um, that that was sort of a red flag for me as well. I feel like if the if there needs to be coverage, then there, there are ways to do more sustainable coverage. And you could have, you know, maybe, maybe you hire a part-timer who comes in halfway through the day and stays to close. And that could be, then they're flexible. So if, if nobody comes in at 459, then they leave at five and, and that's no harm, no foul. But if somebody does need to stay until really late, then that's a late scheduled person and they can stay for those hours and, and, and make that up. And it just makes your full-time employees' lives a lot more predictable, um, a lot more manageable in the long term, right? So if you're thinking about people working for you long-term, you want to, you want to have, you know, you don't want to have to have somebody live unpredictable lives. It can work out really well for a younger nurse, maybe, or a younger employee who doesn't have any kids, and, you know, is there and, and they really don't care. And a lot of people don't care about overtime. They're like, yeah, if you're only going to schedule me for 32 hours and I have a chance to stay for three and pick up more money, I'm here for it. I will do it. And I was that when I was younger. I mean, I was picking up at the hospital. They'd say, hey, if you sell your soul to the devil and come in on your sixth shift in a row, I will give you $240 bonus plus over paid overtime. And I was like, I'm here. I am there. I will be there. Let's do this. Um, but now with a family and other projects that I have going on, I need a little bit more flexibility and I need a little bit more, I need to rely on my schedule, right? I, I can't say I'm out of work at five and then I really get home at nine and my kids haven't eaten dinner, right? So um, that just wasn't something that I was willing to um, sacrifice on. You'll, you'll find some people who will, uh, but it won't be long-term because if you hire someone who has no kids, they might get married and then they might have kids. And then this becomes important, the predictability and the, you know, I want my employer to be able to depend on me and I want to depend on my work too, um, to be able to, to be there and to meet my needs. So, uh, just something, some food for thought and to think about. Another thing that's very important, and probably I've seen more important since COVID, um, gosh, I don't remember if this, this conversation happened before COVID um, or not, but I do know for sure that it is more important after COVID that people are really looking for a work-life balance. They, you know, I mean, we all sort of faced our mortality, essentially. Many of us haven't. Um, ever, ever seen that, especially if you're a nurse and you, you maybe worked in, in the hospital. I mean, you saw people your age who were healthy, just like you, um, dying right before your eyes. Um, you know, if, I mean, I was working in home health and 
I saw patients not getting the care that they needed and, um, and, and suffering and, and passing as well. And that really makes you think, right? Seeing that much suffering and that much death, it really, it really makes you think about what is life, right? What are we doing here? What is my role here? Is my role to just work? Is that what I'm here to do? Am I here to show up and work? Is there anything more in my life that maybe means as much to me or more to me than working? A lot of us had those internal, um, you know, conversations. And what it comes down to is that we have different aspects of our lives. And there are pieces of us that mean more to us and we hold more dear than others. And for all of us, since, I mean, if you're a baby boomer, then work was your life. That was, that was it. You woke up and you showed up to work. You, your purpose in life was to go to work and to go get a job. And now I feel like it shifted with the, with the different generations. And especially after the experience of COVID, especially in nursing, our health, our families, and our overall well-being is a little means a little bit more than work. Work is a tool to have a good, healthy, happy, healthy life. Work is not it. It's not our purpose. It is something that we are showing up for and we're grateful for and we are here for, but it's not 100% our focus. And, um, I know that that sounds, that sounds kind of awful, but let me give you this example and maybe it'll make a lot more sense and it will help potential, um, employees, employers really understand where we're coming from when looking for, um, you know, when you're hiring someone and they ask you, what does work-life balance look like? So this particular position I asked what work-life balance looked like to them and the the manager had heard of that before. And so I had to educate and say, you know, here, here was my example. I said, I have kids and I have a, um, you know, one of my, my daughter would play, um, she, she did travel all-star cheerleading and I would have to travel with her so she could go to her competitions. And I had asked because remember I said this position had no paid time off and no sick pay. So I said, now what happens when I have a competition that I have to go to? Like, what would I have to do? And the manager said, well, you're required to work one weekend, one weekend day each week. So you could pick to work every Saturday or you could work every Sunday. And the schedule was completely inflexible. So say I worked three days a week and it was um, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And that was my schedule. That would have been my schedule for the entirety of my employment at this facility. There was no flexibility at all. So say I, I would have every Saturday off for the entire time I worked here. So say I work here for five years, I will have every Saturday off for five years. However, I will be expected to work every single Sunday for five years. Now I said, okay, but sometimes with a cheer competition, I have to travel out of state and it requires two of those days, maybe even more. Uh, it just depends on where the competition is and, and how that works. And the manager said, well, you, as long as you can be here on Sunday, you can go to the competition. Otherwise you can't go. And, um, that was not aligned with who I am as a person, with my internal values, with who I am as a mother. Um, and for, for them to be so inflexible to say, I set the schedule and I will never touch it or change it. And you can't call out or you can't request any time off. Um, that feels that, that, that's just not, that would never work in my life basically. And I, 
pretty sure that would never work in a lot of people's lives as well. Um, even if you're a young kid who just graduated from nursing school, you've been out, you know, you're 22 and you don't have any responsibility. It's just you. You're working to pay off your student loans and and you take a job and you're like, all right, whatever. It doesn't even matter. I'll work every Sunday. I can have every Saturday and Friday off and I can still party and, and I'm happy. And that works for you. And I love it. And this is this. These are the kind of jobs and these are the kind of leaders for you. Um, but you won't be able to sustain it for very long. You'll have to leave once you start to have a family, because once you have a family, especially kids, they become your number one. And while, I mean, I was very willing to give, you know, nine months notice that I needed to have a Saturday, you know, a Sunday off. Um, they just were not willing to work with me at all. And that, um, and so that's really what I mean by like work-life balance. So life happens. You never know. Your best friend could get married and you could need a Sunday off because you're going to go to the wedding um, to say that you would miss every single thing that would ever happen on a Sunday in your whole entire life from here until the foreseeable future, until you quit this job and find another one um, makes me just want to find a new job to begin with. Uh, so definitely um, taking a look at your work-life balance that you're offering your employees, even if you're not actively hiring, just take a look and see, because if your employees are having excellent work-life balance, that trumps pay um, for many people. So you could give somebody, you know, a really flexible schedule. I've had places that offer, you could do eight-hour shifts. You could do um, four 10-hour shifts or you could do three 12-hour shifts. And having that flexibility really works for for people and, and even to be able to flex. But even if you're, you know, say you want to just do, I want to do four 10s. That way I have a weekday off and I can do doctor's appointments, dentist appointments, and that works great. Awesome. That works. That works awesome. And then understanding that things happen and things come up. Your best friend might get married. You might want to get married, right? If you're if you're not married, um, and you might need life might just happen, and you might need to be able to adjust to accommodate it, and to have a job that is completely inflexible to say from the start, I will fire you if you are. If you do not show up on a Sunday because you're scheduled from here on out every Sunday, hands down, um, I will not work with you. That really is not sustainable for anybody. And it's a huge turnoff. Um, I do know that uh, it was for me and I know it for many, many people. And another really huge red flag, I probably should have moved this one up further, was that the manager I was speaking to was managing and running where the director of a medical facility that provided medical treatment. This individual had zero clinical experience and zero clinical knowledge. They told me on multiple occasions that they had no idea what their employees were doing. They just knew that they needed to have a nurse and then these people can work and they can stay open and make money. And that's all they knew. And they were operating off of that knowledge. That is extremely dangerous. I mean, you don't have to be a nurse to run a facility. You don't have to be um, a doctor to be, you know, a director of a facility. I've worked, had directors who were, you know, physical therapists or, um, you know, even just trained managers. But the thing is, is you have to be able to be willing to at least understand what your staff are doing. Um what are they doing? I remember I was assistant manager when I was um, in my early 20s before I even went back to school. And I remember I would work in every single position periodically in the department I was managing because I wanted to understand what they were facing. Like, what is life working in this department? So what is what is it like to be the person who's checking in the patients every day? What challenges do they have? what, um, what's really great about their job? What's really hard about their job? Do they have a lot of downtime? Can they, can they take on more? Can, do they need to take on less responsibility? Do I have enough staff there? You have to understand what they do. And then the people who are providing patient care, you have to, you don't need to be a registered nurse to know what a registered nurse is going to do for your facility. And the reason this was 
such a red flag in this facility was because the manager did not understand the importance and the responsibility that the nurses in that were working for them were accepting by working here. Because in this facility to only be able to operate if they had a nurse clocked in and on staff the entire time a patient was there, that meant that every single operation that happened within that facility was under the nurse's license. So if you're working at a prime example, when I was doing long-term care, I was work, I was helping out an agency and I was going into nursing homes and I would fill in if they had a vacation, I would go spend a few days and, and add, add to, you know, a nursing home and take care of patients. Well, there were quite a, there was a couple of times where I showed up because I'm a bachelor's trained bachelor's degree registered nurse. I would show up to the nursing home and find out I was the only registered nurse in the building. And if you're a registered nurse, um, you have legally you're uh, you're responsible in my state. You're responsible for all the um, LPNs, licensed practical nurses that are working at the time. So I would show up to work at a facility and find out that I was essentially in charge of the entire place and responsible for every single other care member in the entire facility because it was a Saturday and the director was out who was a, another registered nurse and the only other nurses on were licensed practical nurses. So essentially I was in charge of everything. If something went wrong with any of them, it was on me. Um, and that was pretty dangerous, which is why I, um, I don't do that work anymore because if I'm filling in a facility, I can't, how, how can I even know if a nurse needs more monitoring or not, if I don't even know them, if I barely even know the patients. So, um, you know, when you're, when you're running into situations like this and that the nurse is liable for everything and the manager doesn't even understand that, that poses, that puts the nurse at risk because the manager would have expectations that that nurse likely won't be able to meet. Um, and ask them to do things that they just don't, um, that they can't do based on their nursing practice act and the laws that govern their nursing license. But if this manager doesn't even know that the nurse is governed by a legal body, which in this case they didn't, um, that's huge. That's, that's, that's huge. They didn't understand even the difference between a licensed practical nurse and a nurse. Um, and the nurse really was here in this facility just to treat any reactions to the treatment that these people were getting. And so they weren't even providing the, the care. Other, other folks were doing that. And to have an LPN in this state doing that assessment and um, treatment, it was, it's, um, that's not legal because LPNs can't do assessing. And this manager didn't have any idea of that. I had to educate on that. Um, and also, Another red flag was when I said, well, what happens when someone has a reaction? Do you have a treatment room? Do you have protocols to follow? And they said, no, we just fan off the people or the nurses will just give them a little bit of fluids and then they're fine. And then we send them home. And if that doesn't work, then we call 911. And I said, well, you have orders for those fluids, right? And the manager was like, what do you mean orders? And I was like, yeah, we can't give any medications without orders. Fluids are, are medications. We can't be doing that. I would never give anybody extra fluids if they were having a reaction without a physician giving me an order to do that. I am not authorized to do that in my scope of practice. And that's highly illegal. And I would be risking my entire career if I ever did that, that's not something that I would ever be willing to do. And you should never ask your nurses to be doing that unless you have a physician who, I mean, there can be protocols in place, um, you know, if you follow. Um, but other than that, nurses cannot just decide, well, I'll just give a quick little bolus and see what happens. Nope, never. And this manager, that was the first time that this manager had ever heard of that information. I'm unsure if this manager ever implemented it or just thought I was off my rocker. Um, 
But that was a huge red flag. And that's why it's so important for the clinical manager to at least have knowledge of what is happening and clinically what is needed from the facility. Because they, you can be put in positions like this and the manager who this is their first time working in healthcare. They had worked in other business management, um, in like retail or something, and they didn't have any knowledge that any of these kind of rules and regulations take place. And um, you could see how it could be incredibly problematic. Another red flag um, kind of related to that was that this, I asked if there was a quality um, well, no, they introduced, we were walking on the tour and they introduced, this is the quality department. And then when we left the quality department, after the introduction, the manager told me that they are sworn enemies and that quality and risk management often tell her or him that um, they can't do certain things and they have to conduct themselves certain ways um, and they have to follow certain rules. And this manager said that they want to do things their way and they don't want to listen to quality. And so they often butt heads and they are always, quote, at war with one another. That's a huge red flag. Um, I mean, you don't have to go around asking people, you know, what's quality? Do you like quality? Um, but if hanging out with me, um, you know, I'm huge into risk management, safe healthcare. This podcast is called Just Culture Podcast. And for somebody to tell me that they are sworn enemies with their quality department who is there, their whole purpose is to one, help them provide the best safe care that they can and make sure that their patients remain safe. But number two, quality department is also there to decrease legal liability and minimize the risk of lawsuits. So if they're saying that your staff's charting isn't up to par and they need to adjust and fix it, you fix it. You adjust it. Um, you don't just blow off quality. They're telling you that because your documentation, the way it is, you're at risk of of coming up with a lawsuit, right? Your, your documentation is not adequate. And um, that's a standard of care is to have adequate documentation. If it didn't document, if you didn't document it, it didn't happen. And even if it's something that you just automatically knew and you didn't put it down, well, I'm reading it as a legal nurse on the other side after you've been sued. And if you didn't document it, I have to then say you did not do this. Uh, you might say in your deposition that you did it and you didn't document it, but then I have to say you didn't document it. So little things like that really matter. And the fact that a manager is sworn enemies with quality, they should be best friends. Um, maybe not best friends, but at least willing to hear each other out and work with each other. That's important. And that should always be important. Um, that is what just culture is. And if I did not mention that, I feel like that would have been, um, I mean, I always ask those questions. That's who I am. But, um, start asking them when you go on your next job interview. And if you're an employer, um, what is your relationship with quality? Do you work with quality? Do you have a quality department? Um, they're incredibly helpful, actually. Another, another um, red flag was uh, the mention of high turnover rates. This can, this may or may not, I mean, I've, high turnover rates, high traveler rates, um, they can be red flags, but not always red flags. You might have a new facility and or a facility that's expanding and they might have turnover because their staff are moving to different areas they might have a lot of travelers because they're working on building a staff on a new unit um and so it's not always a red flag but it was a red flag in this instance because the manager when we were talking about no breaks and things like that the manager said um that they often uh, would buy their, uh, they said that people get burnt out easily in exact quotes um, at their facility. And what they would do is buy them pizza or snacks to boost morale. Um, but their budget recently got cut. And so now because there's no more pizza and snacks in the break room, their staff are um, are quitting on them and they can't seem to keep anybody uh, for that long. And I asked, I said, oh, well, what do you think? Um, do you think it's just the snacks or do you think it's like something else? 
and they said that their staff tend to have a lot of pressure on them and they are asked to do high volume of work and the pressure wears on people and they burn out really quickly. And so they're constantly always on this hiring, um, on this hiring um, train. And so I just like giggled inside because I was like, so you know the exact problem. You know why your employees are burning out. Why don't you, why don't you do, I mean, I have a way of getting people to tell me things. Uh, people will just open up to me and, and tell me stuff. I'm really empathetic and compassionate and um, I'm not confrontational at all. So in real life, people will open up to me and tell me these things. And this person did. And I was just like, you just need to like figure out, understand what your employees need. And then you need to sit down with them and give them what they need so that they're not burning out because it's not normal to have to go through new employees and constantly be hiring. Wouldn't it be nice and less expensive if you could just train someone and get them to work for you for more than a few months before they get burnt out. And it wasn't the pizza or the snacks, the pizza or the snacks, boosted morale because they were hungry because they weren't taking breaks and they got to eat. And now you took away their free pizza and snacks that they can't go out and get food for. And you're not allowing them to eat anything on their own time because you're not giving them breaks. And so they're all, they're burnt out, they're stressed and they're hungry and they need nourishment. And so they just physically can't work here. Um, and I just thought that was insane that this manager had so much insight as to why her employees were burning out, but wasn't willing to do anything um, to mitigate that. That was a huge, huge um, red flag. Um, there were, um, the last thing was that this was a new manager at the facility, just been hired from outside of healthcare. Management experience, yes, outside of healthcare though. So they did not know, they didn't understand the ins and outs, the operations of the procedure. They they knew they had policies for the company to follow. And they said, as long as you follow company policy, you're doing everything right. But not to understand um, the work that their employees were doing, not to understand the, the liability that the nurses were taking on and um, asking them to do things beyond their scope of practice just out of sheer ignorance that this person just didn't know that what a nurse's scope of practice really is. It is really, um, really dangerous. And if I had been working there before this nurse came on, I would have given tons of pushback. Um, and uh, this manager did admit that he did get a lot of pushback and he had been quote cleaning house and had fired all of the employees that were already burnt out that gave any pushback to their new ways of doing things. And this just speaks to like a closed minded person, as you can, as you can kind of see all over, like they just have, this is my way, this is how we're doing it. And I really don't care about you or any of your needs, physical, mental, emotional, schedule wise, time off, um, healthcare wise, anything. Um, and we're going to do this. And if not, I'm going to just fire you. Um, that was a huge red flag. Of course, in this position, the pay was $5 less than the lowest wage I've ever made as a nurse. Um, they did not, uh, they just, they just, that just really shows. And I did say something. I was like, you know, my very first job as a nurse, I made $5 more than what you want me to work. And they said, well, I'm not willing. I mean, what you, you're sitting here and you're monitoring everything and you're stepping in when people have reactions. You're that you're barely even doing any work. And um, so that doesn't deserve higher pay. And what that tells me is that this person doesn't value their employees. And also, as mentioned, they didn't understand the full scope of what a nurse, the responsibility and the level of risk that the nurse was taking to work in this facility. Therefore, uh, they were not compensating adequately at all. Not even like a minimum wage for a nurse in the worst paying state. It was it was laughable. Um, but notice, I purposely left that as the last red flag because a lot of these other things mean so much more to me and to other people. Work-life balance means a lot. Um, benefits um, and paid time off, uh, break, anything that impacts my health and well-being really uh, matters a lot. Pay was the last thing. It's the last thing I ask about. 
Um, I want to know, I will take a lower paying job for better work-life balance and better overall health for me and a job that will, uh, that's aligned with my internal values. I, I will take a lower paying job for that. So, and I know a lot of people will, it's just, um, pay, you know, I'm not going to take a, a low paying job without work-life balance, um, that I know from the get go, I'm not going to be successful at and, um, nor should you. And if, if you are the employer and, um, look at pay, but you know, the key takeaways here for you are pay isn't everything you could offer. This, this person could have offered me $20 more an hour than, um, I have ever worked as a nurse. And I still would not have taken this position, um, because of all of the other aspects, the work-life balance issues, um, and, um, the health issues that I would have know I would have had coming out of, you know, working 12 plus hours a day without any breaks or any food or nourishment or eating or drinking anything like that's just not sustainable for human life. Um, never mind a job. And also huge red flag for me in the work that I do and the mission that I have in this world to be at war with air quotes with quality is a huge red flag. I want you to be best friends with quality. I want you to work with quality. I want you to come to quality when you have an issue. Um, maybe I want to be your quality. I don't really know, but, um, you can't be at war with quality. I know that much. So, you know, needless to say, um, you know, back a couple of years ago, even when I, when this happened, I was not willing um, to work with this employee, um, did not take the job. I did give, um, feedback. I, um, I did let them know as, you know, I'd let them know some things as they went, you know, that's illegal. You can't be doing that. Uh, you can't ask a nurse to do this. The responsibility the nurses are taking is such that this, um, you know, people really value work-life balance. Um, and you can't just expect people to give up, you know, to never to just to give up their entire life to work here, just because it, you don't want to have to do a schedule every week um, or every month or however often people do schedules. Um, you know, I gave them all of that feedback. I let them know what they needed to do to be able to be successful in hiring, you know, recruiting and hiring people and maintaining them working for them um, because that should be the goal. Unless you really have like an entry level job where you want someone to work for you for a few years and then you do want them to move on because that could be in their best interest and you could develop them into other roles and then hire in new um but you don't want to be on this constant wheel of being short and reaching and actively recruiting and you know I mean just the money you got to pay for the recruiter to recruit people is a lot of money right never mind the training and the hiring and and all of that that goes into it. So um, what they did with the information, the feedback I gave them, I don't know. I have not heard back from them at all. Um, you know, I, I am, you know, I just, I can't say enough. Leadership is so important in any setting, but especially in healthcare. If you have great leaders then you have employees that are taken care of and have what they need, mental, physical, emotional, resource-wise. Um, and when your employees have what they need and they can be successful, then your patients or your customers, if you're not working in healthcare, your patients and customers, they'll get the very best care, right? Um, you know, if your nurses are well-supported and can work in their best, within their scope of practice, They'll get the best care. If your patient has a, a reaction and you have a nurse just giving them fluid without, you know, a physician order may or may not be safe. It may or may not be the right thing to do. Sometimes giving fluid and a react, depending on the reaction, that's the exact wrong thing to do. Exact wrong thing to do. You can't be doing that. You, you know, you have to have other procedures to follow. Um, and you know, maybe calling 911 every time is the thing to do. I'm not entirely sure, but, um, and especially if you have an LPN, just, uh, you know, giving medications, IV and, um, inserting IVs and things like that, you know, those are very, those are very illegal and you're not giving your employees the chance to be successful. 
And unfortunately, uh, you're putting your patients at risk. So um, that's all I have to say on the literal worst interview I've ever been on. And I know I have different expectations than a lot of other people, but I feel like it's food for thought for um, any nurse looking for a job, what things to ask for, what are red flags, what, you know, what can someone say, you know, being like, oh, our break room is so clean, nobody uses it. Well, why does no one use it? Well, because no one's getting breaks. Well, why aren't they getting breaks? Well, because you only, a break is a luxury to us and it's not something that is needed. Um, and so, you know, you could break down these things and the meanings behind them and really be fully informed before you accept a position. Um, and then if you're looking to hire people and you're having a really hard time, it's really important to look at all of these different aspects and kind of grade yourself and see how, how are you standing up to, to that? You know, how, how is the work-life balance for the people you work with? If you don't know, ask, they will tell you, um, are you flexible, right? Do you honor the fact that people have lives outside of work? And are you flexible that if they want to go to their best friend's wedding, um, they can, or are you going to say, if you're going to have a wedding, you better do it on a Thursday because you can't do it on a weekend. Um, you have to be here on Sunday or you're fired. So, um, just making sure, you know, taking that inventory and taking feedback from your current employees, um, that will really help. You know, the goal should never be to always just accept and resign to the fact that you're going to be rehiring people over and over and over again. You want to get good team members. You want to have quality people working for you and you want to, you want to keep them for a while. At least you don't want to just know that in six months they're going to burn out and you're going to need to replace them. That's not sustainable. That is wasting so much money for the company um, what would be better is to give them what they need. Maybe it's an extra staff member. Well, that's taken care of in the hiring, recruiting and hiring money. Um, so definitely taking a look. If you have any questions or want us to do an assessment for you, um, reach out uh, if you are taking a job and you have questions or, or if you have a story that might even be worse than this one, which I'm sure tons of people do. Um, I'm just speaking to my own experience here. Uh, feel free. I can share your experience on the podcast as well. But um, until next time, folks, please make sure if you found this valuable or if you have a nurse looking um, out there actively looking for a job, definitely share this episode with them. Um, don't forget to review our show and um, I will see you next week. Hey there. This is the part of the podcast where I get to make my lawyer smile. And I get to tell you that the purpose of this podcast is for educational purposes only. I am not a lawyer and therefore not your lawyer or giving you any kind of legal advice as well as I am a nurse, but I am not your nurse. And so I am not giving you any medical advice either. Take this information as educational and consult your doctor or your legal counsel as you see fit.